You're listening to Fresh Out of Game. Can I be so fresh? Fresh, fresh Podcast Network. Straight from Tel Aviv, Israel. Let's go. Hi, my name is Hilal Leizorovich. And I'm Rona Vaughn. We are two entrepreneurs from Israel, and we are on a journey to find out what makes entrepreneurs, investors, and CEOs succeed or fail. And we hope to inspire your journey. So hello, everybody, and welcome to the TLV DNA Show. And with us today is Angie Geffen, and she leads... The marketing in Microsoft Israel. Correct. How are you, Angie? I'm outstanding. Great. So good to have you here. We had some challenges to bring Angie in. It was COVID, you know, challenging stuff, but that's it. We're here. We have overcome. We're here. That's true. All right. So let's roll. Angie. Yes. Today you're in Microsoft. Yes. You lead the marketing. Yes. Microsoft, you know, is always... always comes up when we talk about entrepreneurship uh, startups innovation it's it's uh, I think it's uh, it's it's values of Microsoft even and I'm sure that you participate in in many programs for entrepreneurs as well here in Israel uh, I know it's mostly in the in the R&D center but we can talk about that as well Um, but you know you have a full story it, it's not it's not starting from Microsoft it has uh, different starting points so tell us about yourself a bit uh, and we'll try to take the conversation mainly about entrepreneurship and startups around the world and in Israel um, so just go ahead tell us about yourself well thanks Ron for having me here it is really important to share the story and And to understand the ecosystem here in Israel and it is really my privilege to lead marketing for Microsoft because it is a spearhead uh, of all things technology in the world what it makes an impact however there is a 22-year career behind it in the world of technology starting from Intel all the way to Bank of America and different types of technology companies that have really impacted the world in the way we see technology in all aspects and So um, I think that that is definitely uh, something that contributes to my understanding of the ecosystem here in Israel. Great. So we have someone that really knows the ecosystem, not only in Israel, right? Of course, not only in Israel. Abroad as well. Yes. So let's, let's try to put the pinpoint on a, on a starting point at that road in your journey in technology and software and many companies you worked for before. I think that um, there's a, some sort of misconception regarding marketing as far as where we see our direction and how we want to take marketing. If you take back marketing 30 years back, then it's, uh, and, and even further back, it was based on intuition, it was based on creativity, it was based on uh, trying to understand the target audience and putting them into a particular box. But as the evolution of dot-com in the late 90s and the early 2000s, I think that we were introduced as marketers uh, on the aspect of data. And data is something that I was introduced to as early as the year 2000. I, I'm proud to say that the very first site that I ever created for a brand was in the year 1998. And that is where companies in technology and any other industry really put their face out there to a world beyond marketing. Uh, their short reach in their company. And mm-hmm. so 
when I was introduced to the world of technology and data in the world of marketing, I took that with both hands and said, this is a gold mine. This is something that we really can create magical moments in marketing, and uh, that is what I did. There are other colleagues that I uh, worked with around the world, whether it's when I worked in uh, Silicon Valley or in New York, or even working in London and Austria. There were marketers around me that were happy and proud to work in the land of brand and working under an intuition or a short vision. Uh, but when I saw technology, I took it, I owned it, and ever since the year 2000, I have been working in marketing based on data. And definitely the world of technology, especially in Microsoft, where you're talking about um, understanding who it is that we're engaging with through technology, it just makes you a better marketer, a more accurate marketer. All right, that's great. But you know, the audience out there is listening and they say, wow, that sounds interesting, but let's go deep dive in uh, higher resolutions and try to explain. Because yeah, you said, you know, back in the days, marketing was about guessing what the customer really wants. And data came in and said, you know, it's not only guessing, you could actually take a look at data and understand. Yes. All right. So how did it contribute to your, you know, marketing um, achievements? It's really based on decision making. It's really um, a world where you push something out through marketing in all various channels. I mean, marketing has 18 different channels to communicate with your potential customer or partner. It could be online, it could be offline, in the world of print and events, or it could be also in aggressive digital uh, campaigns or brand campaigns or even lead generation, which also evolved to demand generation, uh, which also evolved to pipe and pipe acceleration. So all these terminologies really happened in the, in, in the era of data, of knowing where your customer is, what's the dialogue that you have. So when you have technology and when you understand the behaviors, the response rates of your customers or per se target audience, then you can read what they're interested in. You can understand from the reports what they're really interested in. And then you can fine tune and feed them the information they need to accelerate their business. And that's where growth really comes from. When marketing meets the conversation with the customers through the data and their response to the marketing activities. And I find that to be um, really the major handle that's needed in marketing. So taking that data and applying it to there, to, to your next move, to your next activity. Great stuff, Angie. Let's try to connect it with entrepreneurs, mm. all right? You know, they begin uh, a journey we're talking about marketing and, you know, Microsoft and enterprises and companies, but they're still very small. They're still at the beginning of their journey, maybe. Some of them are in later stages, but still marketing needs budgets. Marketing needs uh, a vision, right? So what, what can we tell them? What can NG come here and tell them uh, about marketing at that stages? Well, that's a great question because I've come across that question uh, quite often in my career when working with companies um, who really hone the, the world of startups such as WeWork and Microsoft. So then you really find entrepreneurs stepping into the technology game. They come up with these amazing technological solutions. They have a dream. They have a vision. But their vision is based on technology, which is obviously the most important because user adaption is the most important for them. It's great. It's like having 
a store. If you don't know how to bring the customers to the store, then the store has no value. It could be the most amazing store with the best products, but if no one knows about it, then there's just no point, right? Yeah. So that's where marketing meets technology. Maybe an entrepreneur um, will meet someone who has, an engineer, mm -hmm. who has an amazing idea that will really impact the world, make the world maybe even a better place, which is what we strive for in all aspects. True. Whether, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in making the world more green, in having people be able to communicate at ease, and there's many examples around that. But those persons who have that vision, those technology people, they have a technological solution. So marketing is where you sit and work with that person who has a dream in technology and turn that into a narrative, a story. And when entrepreneurs are working with these technolo technological um, visionaries, they should ask them, what is your narrative outside? Not what is your best unique selling points in your technology, because mm -hmm. I'm sure that the technology is fantastic and mm -hmm. it has features mm -hmm. beyond the wazoo, really. <laughs> but what's more important is to understand what is the story you're going to tell. And this is where the technologists get stuck. They're engineers. Yeah, they lack in storytelling. Yeah, they definitely lack in storytelling. And, and throughout my career, I've, I've sat and worked with technologists and say, okay, great, this feature is fantastic. This capability is fantastic. You will change the world in this way through your technology. But what is it about your technology that tells the story? And that's where entrepreneurs really need to focus because as we know, Startup Nation here in Israel is filled with top of the line engineers. True. But the entrepreneurs are looking for a story and that's, that's really where it is today. And I think what you're just saying even works um both sides, not only to go outside with the story, the story could actually, you know, nourish the inside venture. I mean, it, it, it takes the vision and makes it uh, more vivid for themselves as well. Not only to go outside, they know how to tell the story, not only to others, but to themselves as well. Absolutely, Ron. What you're actually talking about in terms of marketing is internal marketing. <laughs> there are more audiences beyond the product users. There's also the employees that work in those startups mm -hmm. and their motivation to change the world. So they too not only need an excitement around the technology, but they need a story and a reason to wake up in the morning and say, I am changing the world because. And when you formulate that story for an internal communications, that makes the motivation and the need to succeed much more powerful. There's another target audience in the world of, uh, of startups. That's the investors. True. The investors, they know the technology. Very important. Very <laughs> important because the investors are the ones that make it happen. And when you were talking about budgets before, and let's just say the entrepreneurs and the investors, they, they go that next step and they believe in the technology, they also need to believe in the story. Because those dollars that those investors are really making is not only for technology, but is for also for marketing activities inside the company and out. Great. Angie, have you worked with entrepreneurs before, with startups? Yeah, yeah, I definitely have worked with startups and it's great to see their excitement. Everyone falls in the same trap uh, of being completely in love with their technology. <laughs> They believe that it's going to be the evolution of mankind and you know, you can't take that away from them. Their excitement is contagious. It, it is. really is contagious. However, you got to break it down, bring it back down to earth, And realize Guys, listen carefully. Break it down. You need to break it down because breaking down the reality of this technology is a whole different story. And so that's where um, most of the work happens with those entrepreneurs. Great. Um, 
let's go back to Microsoft a bit. And as I said before, you know, you say innovation, you think about Microsoft yeah. as well. Back in the days and till now, you know, they're, they're still in the edge all the time. Uh, how's Microsoft helping entrepreneurs? Well, I think it's important to understand the, the breadth of effect that Microsoft has in every aspect. This is a company that was created in 1975. It held the hand of technology for more than 46 years. It has grown to provide a solution for every stage of the business. And focusing, hyper-focusing on entrepreneurs has really been um, a game changer for this world. And Microsoft shakes the hands of entrepreneurs, giving them the platform to learn, grow, and create a product fast in all aspects. So um, it really is, it is a brand that takes the entrepreneur and helps them in a 360 degree to move forward. And that's the main focus. Um, does Microsoft has any uh, unique product today uh, for entrepreneurs that really ease their, their journey? I would say that Microsoft is a one-stop shop for entrepreneurs because there are many aspects of how to develop the technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to remember something pretty critical. These entrepreneurs are born to the cloud. They are born into a reality where their business is online and in the cloud. And so there is no other um, thought process there. And when you meet between a company that's born to the cloud with a company that has such a powerful global cloud in in an endless amount of space on this cloud its ability to have its footprint in 120 some odd countries in the cloud it allows the entrepreneur to understand that they're not only developing for a local audience but this is their their gateway to touching the world itself through technology and microsoft does that it does it every day that's true um, many resources for startups in the cloud are being used uh, as a Microsoft product, Microsoft Cloud uh, solutions. Um, but you know what? I remember you said you've been to Austria, you've been to New York, Silicon Valley, and I'm sure over there you met you know people from the enterprise, from the companies, but I'm sure you met entrepreneurs and startups as well. So you meet ecosystems, different ecosystems, but you come from the startup nation ecosystem um, with the TLV DNA inside of you. Um, and our audience is entrepreneurs from all around the world. Um, tell us what you think about those ecosystems and what leverages the, 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 the startup nation ecosystem. It's interesting because you did mention uh, I have worked in many different countries in the technology world, as you mentioned, and it's interesting to see the approach of an entrepreneur, whether he's he or she is in, tech, in uh, Silicon Valley, or even there's a difference between entrepreneurs who reside in the mindset of the East Coast of New York, and then you take yourself into Europe and you meet entrepreneurs in London and in Austria, and then now in Israel. This is a different breed. We, we can't cluster entrepreneurs as one, one ecosystem or one typecast. It really is different type of people with different types of DNA. And, and, and DNA is really big. Uh, we should get stuck on that word for a second. The D DNA of humanity and the DNA of dialogue, conversation, 
cultural changes, uh, approaches to, de to development, approach to technology is so very different in every ecosystem in different countries that when you, when you finally reach the land of, you know, of, of startup nation here, the DNA of here, it is so different. And, and it's really my biggest recommendation is not to cluster entrepreneurs from different countries. And I'll give you an example. Americans, um, without, of course, generalizing, but from my personal experience within the career, um, when working with entrepreneurs, even coming from the States, whether East Coast or West Coast, they're very structured, um, they're very planned out, they're very clear in their journey, they can see themselves where they're going five years from now, and for good and for bad, that makes them succeed. For good and for bad. Mm -hmm. When you land in the world, uh, in the startup nation, in the TLV DNA, and you reach a country that has more than 140,000 developers um, with the power and knowledge of development and technology like in Israel, their thought process, and I say this with caution, is limitless. They have a limitless approach, uh, engineers here in Israel. Because it is less structural? Because it is less structured, but also because they believe that anything can be done. They have no boundaries, they have no limits, they have no qualms, and, uh, and they're full speed ahead. And that is the DNA of the TLV startup uh, nation here in Israel. And we need to take this with a grain of salt. On one hand, you have powerful engineers with limitless Im imagination, which can lead us to amazing, impactful, groundbreaking world technology. And on the flip side, um, they, they, they um, take that technology and, and, and don't adhere to different types of mentalities around the world. So when working with technologists here in Israel, um, when they tell their story, hone and appreciate their limitless um, approach, mm -hmm. but know how to put them in the structure that they need to function outside of the country. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Now, at the end of the day, you know, most entrepreneurs that, you know, come out of here, their, their journey usually go ahead and progress into the US where their capital is or, or where they build their headquarters and start marketing over there. And, you know, I've met a lot of uh, entrepreneurs here, co-founders and, and founding teams. They always say when it comes to marketing, the Americans, they know it best. What does that mean? Where do we lack? I can tell you as an American now living in Israel for way, well over a decade and being very close to the Israeli ecosystem throughout my entire career. And I think it was the fact that even when working outside of the United States, the fact that I speak Hebrew fluently and that I've been to this country so many times, mm -hmm. that is where those companies leverage my marketing uh, understanding, knowing the Israeli ecosystem and being able to communicate in that local language yeah. um, allowed me to bring in that energy and that limitless that we talked about into a structured American corporation. So um, it, it, it meets us there. And yeah, Americans are fantastic at marketing because they dream big because they know the power of voice, because they, know, they understand targeting, and they know how to take those 18 marketing channels, choose the right ones for the right target audience. And you know, it's, it's, I've seen the experience of doing marketing in Israel, and oftentimes I'm approached 
with ideas from outside of shoot in every direction. It doesn't work <laughs> all, like that. All out attack. All out attack. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't work like that. It doesn't because I think there's a there there's a there's a, a strength in being very focused and 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 being very clear and simplified. So marketing in America is the very first beginning of the pipeline of the journey of the customer. So customers in America come first. And when we talk to customers, we keep it simple. American marketers keep the message simple. And that's something that's very different with the t- mentality here in Israel, which when you, know, when you see Israeli campaigns, of course, I'm not generalizing, but as an American marketer coming into the Middle East, this is the Middle East, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, marketers in the Middle East, or in Israel specifically, I've seen them tell so many different stories in one campaign. And what's important for entrepreneurs to work with with um, marketing teams in America is to understand that the simplicity is the power. Simplicity and creates the sharpness of the message. A hundred percent. Because we often fall in love with our marketing message internally. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. We hear the message over and over again as we plan the product, the, the, the product messaging, the marketing campaign itself. But we also remember as Americans that we're generally dealing with over 400 million Americans with different mindsets and different set of priorities in their life. And that's the breadth of American marketers. We understand the gamut, the hugeness, and that's where the simplicity comes in. Messaging's keeping it simple. So when we, when I met entrepreneurs here, they even said, you know, we brought an American CMO and poof, you know, that's it. We went. Yeah. We, we were there yeah. at the end of the day. And that's, that's, that's the focus. That's the sharpness of the message. Do you think that Americans has a leverage when, when they, they create messages in marketing? They know how to focus it better than us? Well, I say this humbly because I'm an American marketer, as they say, but also a very, must, very much a Middle East marketer, mm-hmm, very much mm-hmm, an Israeli mm-hmm, marketer. Mm-hmm. So I like that combination of uh, being a little more... Um, in-your-face type of marketing, which you do experience here in Israel. That's true. Um, and focus is definitely very important with the simplicity of the, of the messaging. But another great thing about uh, American marketing, which Israelis are learning very quickly, is the longevity of marketing. It's not um, about hitting the ground and then leaving. because bang, nose bang. Nose bang, no, mm-hmm. no, no just like one-stop shop kind of marketing mm-hmm, campaigns. Mm-hmm. It's the longevity. It's the ability to strategize in American marketing and its ability to see what the effects of marketing have on the target audience from the very beginning of the campaign, but even five years down the line. What's the story we will tell in five months from now, six months from now? What is the story we will tell in one year from now and even five years from now? So it's more about creating an infrastructure or a pipeline or a funnel and, and optimize it years. Oh, absolutely. Marketing doesn't start and stop when a campaign goes live. Actually, the marketing starts when the campaign is live and onwards. So oftentimes when working with non-marketers, we get the campaign going, we sharpen the messaging, we choose the channels that we've gone to, we invest the budget that we believe will make the most impact. But the biggest message I have here for entrepreneurs that are working with marketers is that the campaign starts when it's live. Why? Because of data. Within 24 hours, you can see the response. That this is not working and this is yes. working great. And, yes. and, and conversions. That, 
conversions, optimization of campaigns, even to the point of the visuals. Don't get stuck on the visuals on the beginning because you're a one-man opinion, not you, Ron, but I'm saying the one who's making the decision on the creative, mm -hmm. it's a one-man opinion or one-woman opinion. It's usually me. It's usually the you. There you go. So <laughs> it's really important to understand. Don't get stuck. Don't waste your time. Don't fall on in that. love. Don't with, fall in uh, love yeah. with your visual or your content. I need to remember that yes, as well. Yes, get it out. <laughs> go live and optimize. That's the ticket. And when we talk about optimize, it connects with your uh, data-driven uh, um, policy agenda, yeah. right? So yeah. you, you actually need to take a closer look at the data coming back from your marketing campaign yes, and just optimize it all the time. Yes, yes. And the optimization has so many opportunities. It's not only visuals. It's not only content. It's the hour of day that we send the messages through. If we're doing an email campaign, there's a huge difference based on data, what the open rate can be on an email campaign, whether it's sent on a Monday morning compared to a Wednesday afternoon. And we know how to be agile. Developers mm -hmm. are agile as they create products, right? So I'm very close to developing. I love technology. I, I, you know, I do a lot of product marketing in that aspect. And we're fully connected as marketers with the development of the product, yeah? But also in marketing, we need to be technologists as well. Mm -hmm. We need to know what's optimized in the not only visuals of content, not only time of day, but also even to the point of what the color of the button is for call to action. Those are critical game changers that we have seen campaigns work. You never know what's going to go viral. Mm -hmm. But if you have your hand, you know, in the data, the second it goes live, you can take that campaign by a storm. Great. Yeah. Ron, it's marketing is technology. We are data driven people. I'll adopt that. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be more data-driven. Yeah, well, titles, <laughs> that my marketing people have all different titles these days. It's not only marketing managers or VP marketings. It's marketing technology officers or data-driven marketing or growth hack marketing. We're getting closer and closer in our titles to the data itself. We're making, we're making decisions in the CRMs and how they work mm -hmm. and what kind of data we can extract from our customer databases and understanding their behavior, we need to be technologists. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Listen carefully, guys. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, you've talked about, you know, the color of the button. So usually, what will be your recommendation? Go with an A-B and even C-D testing when you launch a, a marketing campaign or, or, you know, more line it up. Like, if it's not working, just change this. If it's not working, change it. Or, you know, start with multiple options from the beginning? So it de depends on many aspects. When creating a marketing campaign, it's not only about visuals and content, and not only about timing, et cetera, et cetera, but it's also the impact you wanna create. It, uh, you have competitors that you need to understand where you're going. Do you want to override the competitors? Do you wanna unride them? Do you want to um, not look at the world of co competition at all and be an individualist? And on top of it all, you have budget. That's also a strategy within marketing. Marketing people are supersonic in budgets. We know how to stretch them and create something from nothing. Um, but budget really impacts the world of technology and marketing. The more you have, the further reach you'll get. So when you ask me if to prepare A, B, C, or D versions, if you ask me to know if we're gonna do a split test between A and B, 
one of the biggest factors in knowing how to approach your, your campaign is not understanding your budget. If you can stretch it with a large audience and do an A-B test, go for it. Plan it ahead. Know your steps ahead. Know what you're going to do in one week from now, two weeks from now, three months from now. It will give you the agility to develop lean as mm -hmm. developers do, but in marketing. What about, you mentioned viral. What about viral effects? Is it something that just manifests? Is it something that usually, you know, just being created out of nowhere? And we, or is it something that we can actually twitch a bit? It's something that we can aim for, um, you know, in marketing campaigns. Viral is just plain viral. It has its own life, shape, or form. Um, unfortunately, we saw the experience of what a, vi a virus can be yeah, in the world of corona. A, glo a global virus. A global viral <laughs> that has no borders, no shape, no, no, no tendency to any race, religion, tendencies. So it's the same. You don't know what's going to go viral. You can't create a viral campaign. You can create a messaging that's more on the edge and pray for being viral. But there are minuses to having a viral campaign. You have no control. It's true. <laughs> and we know that from Corona, we have no control until you have an anecdote. Mm -hmm. And then anecdote in marketing is shutting it down if it goes viral in the wrong direction. And no marketer wants to shut it down. It's you true. want to keep on going, keep on trucking, optimizing. All right, Angie, it's great stuff here. Um, now, you have a lot of experience, as you said, international experience, being an American, coming to Israel, but then you said you visited Europe and, and worked there as well. So our audience is, is global, is international. We could have uh, maybe someone from Singapore listening right now or Houston. Let's try to um, give them three great tips and we can dive in a bit on each tip you want to give them. Um, let's talk about the Asian market just for a second. Um, I did do some work actually in Singapore, uh, right. in the world of uh, public relations and marketing. Um, and uh, because of that experience, I definitely feel that clustering is a huge mistake. So one of the three things that I want to say about that is really don't cluster your knowledge of what the message is going to be, for example, for an American market based on TV shows. Mm -hmm. We oftentimes take our personal um, exposure of you know, TV sitcoms <laughs> and assume that all of America is like friends. Yeah. No. <laughs> and you know, sometimes uh, countries in Europe or, or Asia or even Israel, they think they're the 51st state and they're not, okay? So let's just bring it back in and, and, and realize that America is a big step. You know, when people say they wanna branch out, let's say from Asia, from Europe into the American market, American market is 50 different states with different priorities and different mentalities. Very diverse. Very yeah. diverse, yeah. very, uh, and so, so one of the first tips that I would give is when going to the American market or when going to the European market or um, going to the Asian market or others, um, don't generalize on based on your intuition. Look at the data. See what works in those countries because the audience are speaking through data. They're saying what they like. And that's the greatest part of data. Step number one, base your decisions in market penetration on data. On data. Yeah. That's number one tip, guys, all right? Yeah. You got hunch, it's good, but still be data-driven. All right, number two. Um... So let's recap. What are you looking for for number two? Because data is so powerful. What's going to come after data? <laughs> I mean, data is factual. What else can be beyond that? I think, I think that you can, uh, from my intuition, 
and data, yeah. I think that you can give another tip around storytelling. Oh, storytelling. Storytelling is born from the development of the product, which means we oftentimes build a story around what our audience wants to hear as far as the, the features mm -hmm. of the product. Mm -hmm. So when you're building a story, don't base it on the amazing features that you find in your technology. The entrepreneur sells you three main unique selling points on mm -hmm, the product. Mm -hmm. Turn that into a story of how it touches the audience, how it changes its life, how it impacts its decision making. So the second tip I would say is marketers get close to the roadmap of the technology product roadmap. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to learn about the technology. You might not understand every aspect. What does that mean to be on-prem or in the cloud? What does that mean to be you know, um, on mobile, off mobile? How you make do development, but marketers, don't be afraid to understand the technology. And then you'll understand what the engine is in the technology itself. Take that engine, match that with marketers enormous creativity language and create a story that's where narratives are born now when we talk about story the story needs to actually reflect the more of the value that yes. the other side is getting yes Correct. definitely all right all right definitely tip number two storytelling all right number three um you mentioned agility i don't want you to go uh, exactly there but try to um create the third tip around what you think other entrepreneurs in the world, right, from different cultures can take from the TLV DNA. Mm, around agility. It doesn't have to be agility. You said agility, so it remind me because we're, we're, I think we're champions in, in agility here. I have seen just that. Championism, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if I were to say, you know, if entrepreneur is sitting in front of, uh, of an investor, okay, then take your ability to be agile, take your ability to have a limitless approach, but simplify it. So I would say if we were talking about uh, storytelling and narrative, we were talking about um, our very first being global and being based on the data, but also simplifying your agility. You can go in so many directions in the world of technology, and entrepreneurs see that vision, and that's the DNA here in uh, in TLV. That's the DNA of an entrepreneur being able to know that they're limitless. But when you're pitching the story to an investor, keep it simple. Think in your head, what will be the story coming up ahead? How will you market this to different regions? But also, how will you simplify the technology? And choosing what are the three main things that you want to create. Uh, we oftentimes find that in TLV DNA is um, among entrepreneurs, they're, because of their limitness, they develop in all different directions. Maybe we'll do it this way, maybe we'll do it this way, maybe we'll do it this way, and, and the ability to change within nanoseconds. Mm -hmm. Beware of that nanosecond change because not every mentality can handle nanosecond change. And that's my third tip. Keep it simple because nanosecond changes can be <laughs> harsh on uh, on investors. So keep it simple and stay focused. And stay focused. Angie. Yeah. I had fun. Thank you for having me. Um thank you for being here. Yeah. Being my host today. So again, Angie Geffen and she leads the marketing in Microsoft Israel. Thank you very much. My pleasure.
And to all of you out there, we'll see you on the next episode of TLV DNA. And you'll be able to listen to this episode on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and watch it on YouTube. Thank you very much, guys. 